He's back like a bad rash. Legendary broadcaster, Drew Marshall. Every time I'm doing what I want to Somebody comes and tells me it's wrong Whenever I'm doing just as I please Somebody cuts me down to my knees Yeah, somebody cuts me down to my knees In a time when everybody feels entitled Why can't I feel entitled too? Thanks for tuning in, folks. You're listening to The Drew Marshall Show. Again, streaming live at drewmarshall.ca. We're live here in southern Ontario, covering a population of 6 million people. On a little station called Joy 1250, Tim the Tools in the house. Hello. And uh, also John Townsend. He's the author of The Entitlement Cure, Finding Success and Doing Hard Things the Right Way. If you have people in your life who avoid taking ownership of their responsibilities, <laughs> Tim... <laughs> <laughs> who don't pull their weight or who assume special unearned privileges. <coughs> Tim, you are... Exp- <laughs> just turn my mic off. Sorry, just, I just... Stop it. Sorry about that. You are experiencing an attitude of entitlement. It can range from an adult child who refuses to find work. I think you need to just take the word adult off there. Uh, to a friend who insists that you are uh, treat her as a special case. To co-workers who expect a great deal for little effort. Entitlement is all around us in varying degrees, and it is debilitating our culture, attacking marriages, families, businesses, and relationships. In The Entitlement Cure, Dr. John Townsend, New York Times bestselling author of Boundaries, I think I've heard of that book, helps readers recognize the problem and hands us clear-cut solutions to prompt change and success. He's on the phone right now, John Townsend. Dr. Townsend, sir, how are you today? I'm good, Drew. How are you? Quite well. Thank you for putting out another book to rock our world. You're pretty good at that. You must be rich. <laughs> I hope it's helpful. <laughs> <laughs> well, the entitlement thing, I think, for me, I mean, my, my first question on this is, we see entitlement in others. How do we see it in ourselves? Well, we see it in ourselves by the uh, impact we have on either um, our own lives or the lives of others. Uh, can I give an example of my own life? Wait a second. Dr. John Townsend recognized entitlement in himself? Yeah, it's on page 22 in the book. <laughs> <laughs> all right, go for it. Share it. Because I'm writing this book about all these entitled people, you know, and um, I, I travel a lot to do what I do. I do a lot of uh, organizational leadership, consulting, this sort of thing. So I'm flying from California to uh, New York to go to uh, an engagement, and you have to go through Chicago Hare to do that. And when I'm in Chicago, um, it's, just, it's January, and, you know, January is tough in Chicago, so I go to my gate and it says flight delayed because of weather. So your next gate is over here. So I go over there. I'm used to that. Then the second one says, "Well, delayed again. Go to another another gate." The third time oh, it says, "The this delays because of weather and the flight's leaving in 18 minutes and it's a 22 minute walk." So you do the math, right? And so. Um, <laughs> I'm running like OJ all the way through there just to try to get there. And as, as I'm as I'm trying to scramble, I remember thinking to myself, doesn't O'Hare understand that I've got to get to an engagement? And then I said, you're an idiot. You're not you're entitled right now because, no, O'Hare didn't care, and that was what I call our pocket entitlement. You see, some people are very entitled all the way across the line. They just drive you crazy. But you notice it in yourself in these little pockets where it comes up and you feel like the universe owes you something special, and it really doesn't. 
Well, hold on a second. Some of us are certainly more important than others, are we not? <laughs> well, I'm sure in our own eyes we are. <laughs> <laughs> no, that is the thing. I mean, you know, the the uh, the litmus test, I think, for whether you're actually, a, a, I don't know, a, a genuine person or a person who is authentic about spiritual growth is how self-aware you are in those areas of, like, for example, entitlement. And it is amazing, we just talked about this in a previous segment, how many pastors seem to come across, especially when the camera's not on them, with mm-hmm. this sense of entitlement. And yeah. and oh, should we not be holding pastors or spiritual leaders to a higher degree of accountability? Um, and, and where does this come from? And, and do we give that? Do we give entitlement to someone else? Do we help someone else become entitled? Are we empowering or enabling entitlement? I guess is the real question. What do you think? Well, that was like six questions in a row. Come on! I can't focus, man. This book is killing me. It really is. It's a... <laughs> well, I like what what you were going about the spiritual aspect because when you read James, James is pretty strict about that. The book of James says, "Don't many of you become teachers because you'll incur a stricter judgment." There really has to be because the impact of a teacher or a spiritual director is is, is great upon millions. Um, that's actually you know, one. That's the, that verse is the number one reason why I stopped. Uh, why I stepped down out of spiritual leadership, because it's uh, kind of a scary one. Yeah, it is. Yeah, and and, and I, I have so many pastor friends that aren't like this, and that and, and and then I know some unfortunately that aren't. And you know what I can tell that the big difference between my pastor relationships that aren't all, always always is that the ones that are sort of out of control and do not touch God's anointed, and I'm so special. They never have strong, accountable people around them. No, they have never. a board of yes people surrounding yes, them. Yes, you got it. And the board's kind of a sycophant, so they just uh, rubber stamp them. And the ones that are really healthy with great ministries and great marriages and great kids are the ones that have some loving, strong, mature people beating them up around the head and shoulders every week. There's got to be a different ways we approach this entitlement scenario. So, you know, you approach it one way with yourself, you approach it another way with someone you're living with, or and then a different way with someone you're working with. See, I see an entire uh, spin-off book series coming out of this. You know, kind of like boundaries. Yeah. Do you see what I'm saying? Yeah, well, yeah, and and the rules really are different. The rules of engagement are dealing with an entitled adult child who won't leave the home versus an entitled grandfather or grandmother who's kind of nuts employee. <laughs> no, the, the rules have to be very different how we treat these people. It's so, so funny when I started writing the book. Um, everybody said, oh, this is about a certain demographic and age. And I went, oh, no, no, it's not. I know 20-year-old friends of mine that are so re- responsible and healthy and spiritual, take the show off your back, and I know some 85-year-olds who are nightmares. So this is not a, a generational problem. This is a human being problem. Just after the fall, it got that way. Okay, but really, we are talking about, what are we? What generation are we in now? A, B, C, D, what are we? we it's kind of like it's hurricane y. names. Are we not back to A again? Do we? The knots? No, we're past the knots, I don't which know. is I zeros. can't keep track. All I know is we are in the most <laughs> entitled generation ever. Are we not? Yeah, it's not better. It's worse, unfortunately, for lots of reasons. So I teach them. So where do we where do we go from here now that all of the children have grown up? Sorry, remember that song. Where do we go from here? Like, what what's next? I mean, the narcissism level cannot get much higher. Right. If the narcissism index gets higher, then what we're going to go into is very low functioning people who basically are going to look for the world 
and the government and God and everybody else to sort of take care of them. That's that's the next step. Right, and so that means the the liberals... The work ethic ethic will go away. Right, so that means the liberals will be voted into power in Canada. Oh, wait, that just happened. And that means the Democrats will continuously rule down in the states. Oh, wait, that's happening too. (laughs) Well, fortunately, I wrote a book about hope, Drew. (laughs) (laughs) Nice. On the phone with Dr. John Townsend. So, are you still are you still a shrink? Like, do you sit down with real people and talk about real issues, or are we just writing for a living? Uh, yeah, my, I, I really don't do the uh, the psychotherapy clinical practice much anymore. At all. It's mainly writing books, organizations. Um, I have an institute now, the, the Townsend Institute of Leadership and Counseling, where people can get an online master's in counseling or leadership from my material. So I've, I've moved into the corporate and leadership world. Who are your gurus? You know, who are your sort of uh, heroes in the in the psychological world? Well, actually, I have two sets of heroes. Um, before I went, I, I might have a story like you. Before I went into um, the world of psychology, um, I got my master's from Dallas Seminary in theology. And um, so my heroes are people like Howard Hendricks, mm. uh, Charles, Charles Ryrie was one of my professors. So People that really understood the Bible at a really, really deep uh, Hebrew and Greek level. That's what I wanted to learn was how to study the languages. And then I went to um, get my doctorate in clinical psychology at Biola University at Rosemead School of Psychology in Los Angeles. And I was trained by people like Bruce Nairmore, John Carter, and Phil Sutherland. So I guess my heroes were the ones that really took the Bible seriously but wanted to see how it applied to everyday life as well. So you have no you have no psychological heroes. You have no like M. Scott Peck kind of heroes. Well, I have I have people that I've studied a lot. I I, lo- I didn't know you loved Scott Peck, dude. I think that guy was great, dude. If he was alive today, I would stalk him. No, that sounds Three weird. People lie. <laughs> Are you kidding me? That's my oh. number one. It's my number one. Oh my gosh, changed everything. Yeah. Yeah, I quote that often, I mean, way too often. People who are regular listeners of my show are sick of me saying, you know, when when M. Scott Pett was asked, uh, so what is it that causes someone, you know, to do evil? Is it demonic spirits, uh, spirits or is it uh, uh, mental illness? And he said, no, the question is wrong. It really needs to be, you know, why did someone do something so evil? Was it because of uh, mental illness or demonic spirits and mental illness? Mental illness, he felt, was always part of it. Always. Yeah, yeah. I think he got a lot of stuff right. Um, hey, tell me about your band. I really want to talk about that. <laughs> well, um, I'm in a, uh, a band in Southern California. There are two dentists, a soccer mom, an investment banker, and myself. <laughs> that sounds like the start of a joke. You know, <laughs> are you walking into a bar somewhere? Or? <laughs> so, what kind of music do you play? Uh, we, we're a cover band. Uh, our name is Rock Tangle, rocktangle.com, and we play in Southern California bars. It's kind of my own um, adolescent fun times. Uh, we play uh, anything from the Beatles to Led Zeppelin to Red Hot Chili Peppers to Sublime to Adele. Wow. And your lead singer is the, is the lady? Yeah. She's the front, yeah. front, of, the front of the house? She's, yep, yep. And what do you play? I'm kind of a utility guy. Uh, I, I sing some, I play some guitar, and I play some keyboards. They just sort of like shuffle me around where they need me. Right. I think we should have a little listen to one of these uh, songs here. Ladies and gentlemen, have a listen. Rock Tangle here on the Drew Marshall Show. <laughs> no way! <laughs> That's fantastic. Oh my gosh! I can tell the band that we just got played in Canada. 
<laughs> oh my gosh, we're now international. Drew, nice. you made my day. You are now an international band. Oh, that's too funny. Too funny. So you're down are you down in Irvine, the most boring city in the United States of America where the crime rate is zero? Yeah, the, the office is in Newport. Is, is in Irvine. Um, my, our family lives in Newport Beach, right across the street. Oh, that's a lot better. That's good. So, how often do you uh, come across Big Rick? Uh, well, I preach at his church every now and then when he needs pulpit supply. And um, I'm sorry, what do you call it? Pulpit supply. Pulpit supply is when the pastor says, "I'll be gone. Can you come in and do a weekend?" That sort of thing. You're talking about Rick Warren, I said. Yes, I am. Big Rick. Yeah. 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 Yeah, although he's yeah, not yeah. as big as he used to be, because he 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 and Daniel are planning stuff. He and Daniel got together. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. You know, uh, every time Rick and I get together, his wife rolls her eyes because we turn into twelve-year-old idiots. It's just embarrassing. <laughs> I think that's one reason he's God's used him so much because he's still got the kid in him. And can't we all relate to somebody like that? I think that's why he's so accessible. Can we get back to talking about your book, please? Do you mind? Do you mind? <laughs> I'll be glad to do Jeez. That. The Entitlement Cure, Finding Success in Doing Hard Things the Right Way. How much, I mean, what is really at the root of this? Is it is it just pure narcissism? And if it is, what is what has made this generation the most narcissistic? We're all a product of our own generation, so we all have narcissism inside of us. Maybe I could say the word narcissism more in this question. But, uh, you know, it, I don't understand. Is it Does it tie in with consumerism? Does it tie in with... With you know the quick fix stuff. I mean, where's it coming from, man? John, um, it, it really comes from lots of things. There are cultural and family dynamics, as well as uh, you know the media, uh, kind of the Hollywood ethos and all that. And basically, it's a subset of narcissism. It's one of the things that creates narcissism. But entitlement is basically when I re- when I did the research through, it has it's two attitudes. The first attitude is. I should not be responsible for my life. Someone else is responsible for it, my success or failure. And the second is um, I'm special, so I should reserve, get special treatment. I shouldn't stay in the back of the line. And you find that out in families that create it. You find that out in companies. And you find that out, unfortunately, it's in the churches, too. So when I started to write the book, my, my writing coach said, don't write a finger-wagging book. He said, don't write a book that says, ain't it awful, it's all going to heck in a handbasket. He said, give them hope and skills and tools. So it's, it's a book about defeating the entitlement we find in those around us, in business and church and family, as well as in ourselves. So I tried to give a lot of skills to help people work through it. There aren't shortcuts to cure entitlement, says Dr. Townsend. It's a uh, path of behaviors and attitudes that undo the negative effect of entitlement, whether in ourselves or in others. Um, one of the things that I've become very aware of is I've leaned into other tribes who believe other things over the last 13 years of doing this show, whether it's pagans in the UK or Druid communities I've hung out with or the Church of Satan people that I'm now buddies with or, uh, or the Amish gang. Uh, there's just a variety of communities I've been hanging out with. In the New Age community, and I hate even using that phrase because it's, it's like the 80s called. They want their phrase back. And that used to be a, a trigger phrase for the Jesus people. Oh, don't, get in that, don't go in that store. You can smell the incense. Satan's in there. It's New Age. You know, it's just, it's lame. Yeah. Um, yeah. But in that whole power of positive thinking movement or whatever, um, what I like about it is they help you grow a pair. They really do. They help you <laughs> kind of see... The, the the great creation that you are. Mm-hmm. And, but the, what comes along with that is a little too much, it's all about me. Yes. So how do, you know, where's the fine line? Where's the balance there? 
Uh, be- because well, you know, it, you know, you can't walk around your entire life going, "I'm the most amazing and awesome person I've ever met." Right? Can you? Fine line. I think. I, no, it, that would be awful. It's um, it, it creates uh, anxiety in people. It creates perfectionism. It creates uh, inability to risk and, and persevere. I think the fine line found in um in uh, Romans twelve, where Paul says. To don't think more highly of myself as I need to, except to think of myself with sober judgment. I think that's the essence of any really healthy self-image. Is I, you know, I've got good strengths, and God gave me the strengths of I don't know administration or music or people skills or whatever. But I've also got flaws and sins and baggage in me, and I shouldn't think higher of myself because the person that's rooted in reality they're good and bad inside, is the person is pretty healthy. I think that's God's sort of balance there. You know, it's interesting how this whole thing ties in with the boundary stuff, because especially in the Jesus scene, uh, there's a fair bit of, like, I think part of the ethos is, um, do you remember that song, Tim, I'm talking to my engineer here. Yeah. Tim, do you remember the song that we used to sing at camp as a kid? J-O-Y, J-O-Y, this must surely mean <laughs> yes, Jesus yes. first, yourself last, others in between. <laughs> Okay, so then that if you're not careful, that can slip into doormat stuff, right? Yeah. Where you're, who yeah. am I? I'm nobody. And next thing you know, you're picking up the book boundaries because you are a doormat, right? And so now, the now you're talking about the other extreme where you're walking around thinking you're all that in a bag of chips, right? Now, the person who has really what I would call a global entire engage, sorry, global engagement, Drew, that person's not going to pick up the book. My book is the last thing that person wants to read. <laughs> But the people around that person who work for their per- that person or are with them or a friend or married to them or, or have a kid, they want to buy the book because it drives them crazy. Have you, have you uh, 27 books. You've, you've co-authored, authored, whatever, 27 books. I, I, I like to ask this question of a lot of people. You know, when they say they have four kids, I say, which one do you like the best? Um, do you have a book that you, that you really look back on and say, that was my... My piece to resistance. Drew, as an author, we always say, you know, it's the one we're talking about, right? Yeah, I know, I know. <laughs> author. But, but besides, besides that, yeah, I have one I'm kind of fond of. Uh, it wasn't the most popular book, actually, The Boundary sold, you know, three million. But uh, one that I really loved was called uh, The Mom Factor, where we talk about the mothers that we had or didn't have or still contend with. And it was an analysis of how you can understand if your mother is, like, controlling or a guilt guilt-inducing or not there or rigid, how you can love her and have a relationship with her and be nice to her without her driving you crazy. I thought it was a really good book. Okay, just before we go, I want to let our listeners know, first, you're listening to the Drew Marshall Show. We're on the phone with John Townsend. He's the author of The Entitlement Cure, Finding Success in Doing Hard Things the Right Way. We're actually giving away a copy of The Entitlement Cure on our Drew Marshall Show Facebook page in partnership with Harper Collins Canada Faith, HCC Faith Books. Uh, so go to the Drew Marshall Show Facebook page, and uh, you'll see something there that you can click on, and uh, and you might win a copy of uh, The Entitlement Cure. When you... When you have someone in your life who you think has a little bit of entitlement, because, look, with a stranger who's entitled, you don't care. You, you maybe honk at them. You maybe roll your eyes at them. Actually, one time in a McDonald's, I grabbed a punk kid by his hoodie and threw him back to the piece of th- – him and his buddies threw uh, McDonald's food and garbage and tomatoes and garbage all over the floor. I think I said garbage twice. And then they, they went to leave. And I said, guys, you're not leaving. you got to clean that up. And they looked, look, you. they looked at me and went, yeah, whatever, and, it, and then turned. And I grabbed one of them by his hoodie and reefed him back. Well, I'm 6'4", 240. You know, I could have gone to prison for this. But he started to clean up, and he picked up two pieces and then went to walk out again. I grabbed him again, reefed him back. His buddies all split, right? So not the greatest 
you know, social. No, we it's a that, it's a sociological weirdness issue that I have. But how can you, and with someone you love and care about, if you see entitlement in them, yet you can't change someone who's entitled, can you? Absolutely, God's been doing it for centuries. Um, oh. And he does, he does it with two methods. One is with uh, vulnerable words. If you've got someone who's not too severely entitled, but they are, like your spouse, your kid, or whatever, you go to them and, and you use vulnerable words like, let me tell you why you're being 40 minutes late to every meeting, how that makes me feel. Hmm. I feel like I'm not important. I feel like I don't matter. Now, if a person's severely entitled... The Bible says you don't use words anymore, you use actions. Like you go to Matthew 18, if you, you, know, you tell your brother whatever happened, and if your brother is, is sorry, you won your brother, but then if he doesn't, you bring two or three witnesses, and then the whole church, and then you kick him out. God's system is use words of love about your impact, but then you've got to put people in time out and say things like, you know, that promotion you wanted or that vacation you wanted or whatever, that's on hold now because of your behavior. Those are the only two great solutions. Man, I'm just trying to think how that works with, you know, a spouse. I'm sorry, we're not having sex anymore until you, you know, see how entitled you that are. That would work on you, but the other way it <laughs> wouldn't work. <laughs> yeah, you, you picked the wrong analogy, buddy. Oh, forget it. I'm knocking out of this one. Oh, man. All right, listen, as usual, another gem from uh, Dr. John Townsend, New York Times bestselling author of Boundaries, The Entitlement Cure is the name of the book, Finding Success in Doing Hard Things the Right Way. John, it is always fun to chat with you, man. Thank you. Same here. You guys are doing a great job. Appreciate your, all your help. And we're right. going to go with Rock Tangle. Oh, Rock Tangle. Yeah, we're heading out, folks. Listen to this band. You may want to book them for uh, bar mitzvahs or funerals, whatever you whatever you have. <laughs> Thanks, John. Take care. Yeah. All right, bye-bye. Bye-bye. DrTownsend.com. That's where you want to go to find out more information about Dr. John Townsend. Mitch Album, the number one best-selling author of Tuesdays with Maury, is back. Mitch's heart-rending and inventive new novel, The Magic Strings of Frankie Presto, follows the life story of Frankie, the greatest guitar player who ever lived, and the lives he changes with his six magical blue strings. Infused with the message that music, like love, has the power to affect us all, The Magic Strings of Frankie Presto is a classic in the making. Once again, Mitch Album shows readers that the lives we touch affect others, and that changing one can be as simple as the pluck of a guitar string. 